0: Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve a lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart.
1: Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood, which seems to be my new opening. (laughs) I guess Mr. Rogers is on my brain lately. I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to have had the guest on I had last week, Brandon Webb, and his co author this week, John David Mann, the authors of this new amazing book, Mastering Fear, a Navy SEAL's Guide. For those of you who are regular, loyal, faithful listeners of my show, you know that anytime I get a chance to have John David Mann on the show, he is here and gratefully. He likes being on my show, so I I don't get a no from him (laughs) when I keep bugging him to be on, because he just helps my brain shift into such a positive space and brings so much joy to my heart. So, uh, John, welcome back to the show.
0: Well, thank you so much. It's great to be here, as I always say, and it's always true.
1: It, you know, it, when I when I sit here and I go, all right, who's going to be my guest next week, next month, you know, whatever, and then I go back and I go, oh, I've got John on. <laughs> it, 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 it lights me up because I've not read a single book of yours that in some way did not transform me in a positive way.
0: Ugh. Well, you're the reason I write books. I'm so glad that you exist.
1: <laughs> well, me too.
0: <laughs> and, I mean, and- that's the whole thing, you know? That's the whole deal of writing a book. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fulfilling uh, activity. I love words. I love creating stories with words. You can make an income doing it. It supports my family. But bottom line, the reason for writing a book is so that it lands in somebody else's, you know, existence with a thunk. And and has an impact, makes a difference. So so, thank you for that. I
1: I, I think I've read everything you've ever written, including Mastering MLM, which is uh, <coughs> not not one that you talk about a lot, but it's it's a really fascinating book. Um, what I you know, I read a book a week at at a minimum because a lot of my guests on my show have books that they've written, and then i read additional books each week of people who'd like to be on my show that want to talk about their books. And until I've read somebody's book that I don't know, I, I won't commit to them being on the show until after I've read the book because I need to make sure it aligns, that it fits, that it's legit. In in some cases, you know, I've read some books that people have sent me and I'm like, really? You really think this? <laughs> And and it's so... You know, I don't mind having somebody on whose thoughts are opposite to mine because I think that's a really good conversation, but I have to feel its truth with their writing and, and not something completely out of left field that can do more harm than good kind of thing. You know, it's my judgment call. It's my show. So I get to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, your football. My football. But when... I read one of your books, I never worry about that, and it's, to me, when you find an author in your life that it's like an old friend every time you read them, even though you write with other people with their names as the main name, I still sense you in some ways, maybe because I know you personally, right? That whole idea of being able to put yourself in the back seat, Brandon last week, right, said to me that you make him better.
0: hmm Well, that's, that's, uh, that's great to hear. Started with a pretty good original, but yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, he said, you know, when I, I submit my stuff to John, it comes back, and, it, and he said, it's just better. He makes my words better. (laughs) They make more sense. They just flow better. I would imagine that for you to write a book, Mastering Fear, a Navy SEALs Guide with Brandon Webb, there must have been some fears that you needed to master along the way. Is that an accurate statement or no? Because I think you were writing five books at the same time that you were writing this one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, um, it's not... It's not particular to this book, it's particular to every book i've I've ever written and it's it's um you know I've written over two dozen books, so there's there's plenty of evidence in front of me that that I can do this that I know how to do it's gonna work, but that doesn't stop me from every time I start a new project uh, I sit down with it and i and I kind of go. I I don't, I don't, I have the voice in my head that says, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this. I have no idea how to start. I don't know, you know, what do I know about this topic or, um, and I have to actually take myself by the hand. It's like step over that voice, like stepping over, you know, a a muddy path or something and say, it's okay, John, it's going to be great. It's going to be fine. And just trust. That a, a a you know a great result is sitting there on the other side of this, just waiting for you to walk across the path. all you've got to do is put one foot in front of the other, et cetera et cetera et etc i I have that talk with myself with every book I write, not once but multiple times in some way every day. I mean, I had it this morning when i when I came down to my desk i 'm working on a on a novel right now, and I have uh had to I don't want to say grapple with, but something like that. I've had to grapple with, wrestle with um, that that voice, that friction, that fear of, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what I'm doing here, every single day.
1: So writing a book like Mastering Fear, how did it shift you in writing? You
0: know, it helped me, um, it's funny, articulate and clarify some of my own experience around dealing with fear and the role of fear in, uh, in my life. Because what happens when I write a book with Brandon, um, you know, the red circle, our first book, that was like his life story. So really that was my job was to tell his story as, is to channel him as if I were playing him in a film, right? Like I was Meryl Streep being Margaret Thatcher <laughs> or or whatever.
1: Which was weird, pretty amazing
0: uh, actually. actually. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really compare myself to Meryl Streep or Brandon to Margaret Thatcher. So I don't know where that came from, but, but, um,
1: I like the analogy. It works.
0: (laughs) Okay, good, good. Um, when I sit down and write a book with Brandon, like this one, or like the last one, um, uh, you know, total focus or or something like that. My job is to take his experience and his thoughts as being off points. Um, and they're like pebbles that I dropped in a pond and the pond is my life, my experience. for me, for this to work, when I write a book like that, you know, my job is to make it authentic, is to make it real, and that means it has to come from my own life. You know, and you talk to any good TV actor and they'll say the same thing about playing a role. They'll say, yeah, my job is to be Margaret Thatcher, but in order to be Margaret Thatcher, I have to find the, the stuff in my own experience that that resonates with. Uh, uh, And I used to read interviews or hear interviews with actors saying that, and I was like, eh, I don't know if I really believe that that's true. I mean, that sounds like they're just kind of being kind of false modesty. No, that's absolutely true. That's what you have to do. Um, So, you know, you asked about what did I get out of this book? These things like the idea that you can't overcome fear, you can't go to battle with fear, that is isn't effective. The, the idea isn't to go head-to-head with fear and try to vanquish it like an enemy. Uh, it's more like a, a very challenging partner that you, that you learn how to work with.
1: Um, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's this ancient myth, the uh, story of Ur, you know, Babylonian mythica. I think that goes back thousands of years, and there's the story of him going to war with Enkidu, his arch enemy. And what happens is they end up becoming best friends. And you see that trope in, in coming through his history and, and uh, oral epics, you know, for, for millennia, for, for centuries. That's what fear is like. It's like you don't kill it. You don't destroy it. You make it your strongest ally. You make it your best friend. You learn how to use it to bring out your best self I already knew that as a performer like as a cellist as a writer Mm -hmm. but writing this book kind of helped me to understand it better and put it into words I'm the first person that reads my books so I'm really writing for me
1: I have so many goosebumps right now and these thoughts just went through my head of how I'd been battling some fear I've had since June 1st with vertigo and that I'm never going to be able to get past it and now I have a different thought to think about with it instead of, you know, now it's a partner to learn to work with and, you know, if it never goes away i can choose to be in the fear of when's the next episode going to hit or learn to work with it and, and embrace it and do something different if i need to mm-hmm. Oof. so um hang on everybody we're going to be right back with new york times bestselling author john david mann co-author with brendan webb of mastering fear A navy seals guide we'll be right back everyone all right so here's the fun part about getting interview, john even stuff that happens during the break feeds into your books <laughs> 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 so you texted me that you were having really bad echo like you're hearing your yeah. own echo in in the phone we don't hear it on this side hopefully calling back in has changed it has
0: it well actually no
1: okay oh, all right
0: wait, wait i think maybe it has Eric? It has. Yes! Oh my gosh.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Totally, totally love that.
0: It's intermittent.
1: Okay. All right. Well we can always have you hang up and call back in again because sometimes, you know, different circuits cause different things. But it was perfect because the whole idea in the book, Mastering Fear and Navy Seals Guide, of this echo chamber really, really resonated for me. And I talked a bit last week with Brandon about it. You wrote, The Echo Chamber is an internal monologue, hyper-nostalgia that keeps you in its clutches and away from engaging in your present reality. And I just laughed because you had the whole echo thing as, as you are speaking. <laughs> your own little echo chamber. When you were writing that fears that you have when you sit down, I can't write this, I don't know this topic, um... Th- that to me sounds like an echo chamber. You know, it's not necessarily truth. It could become bigger than it is. What What's the process that you used to move through your echo chamber?
0: That's such a great question, and it's it's so relevant because I, this may have been my favorite thing uh, point in 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 having the opportunity to to go into in this book. So this echo chamber, um, which is it kind of has three dimensions in it. It's
1: on page 126, people, by the way.
0: <laughs> there you go. So this echo chamber has, you know, you could say it has three, three, three dimensions. You know, one of them is that things that have happened in the past, you've still got echoing in your head. You know, whether it's regrets or shame around something that you did or resentment against something that somebody else did or, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's a lingering residual echoes, the, the echo of thunder long after the lightning has passed in your brain. So you're echoing the past. A- a- and I'm talking about unproductive past. I'm not talking about reflecting back on that, that kiss, or remembering my father's words, you know, encouraging me, or, you know, these lovely, th- the, the memories of my dog who passed away last October. No, I don't, I don't mean fond memories. I'm talking about the echoes of memories that, that are dragging you back, <laughs> dragging you down, um, that's in the echo chamber. You know, you, the teasing you got as a kid, the abuse you got from your parents or your brother or your uncle or whoever it was, or the coach or the teacher or the boss. Then there's, in the, also in the echo chamber, there, the, but also in the echo chamber, there are harbingers of the future. There's the imagined echoes of the future. Um, you know, when the money runs out, when the food runs out, when the world goes, <laughs> runs out. All the imagined hardships of the future that haven't actually happened, most of which probably won't happen, but that we can still imagine and live in and be, you know, reacting to right now as if they were real. And then finally, there's the the echoes of what we're imagining other people's perceptions of us are like, I can tell you that as a, as a performing musician, when you are up on a stage with your cello and you're about, and you're playing, it doesn't serve you to say, I wonder how I sound. And that's also true when you're a, a public speaker. It's also true when you're just a person, you know, when you're having a, like you're in a relationship, it doesn't really help to say in your mind, I wonder what she thinks of me. Am I tall enough, short enough, handsome (laughs) enough? It's like none of that's helpful. And it's all just the echo chamber. It's all BS. It's a family-friendly show, so I won't curse. But it's all nonsense. Uh, falderol, if you will. Um,
1: I love that word, falderol. Okay. (laughs) uh,
0: But it's so insidious. It's there. You know, we've all got it. And, And so you asked how do I deal with it. For me, the single most valuable step in clearing away the dross and the cobwebs in the echo chamber, um, the step that I first learned about back in the 1980s was to speak it out loud, just to become aware of it. Awareness, you know, shining the flashlight of your awareness on the dark hidden corners and recesses of your echo chamber and seeing what's there, hearing what's there, becoming aware of it, it is 80%, 90% of the the battle. Um, When when I'm fortunate in that I work alone at home, in my home office. So I can talk out loud with anyone looking at me funny from the next cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I began the habit of just saying out loud what was in my head, and I still do it. I'll sit down at the desk and I'll and go, John, you're a total idiot. You have no clue what you're doing here. And then I'll go, wow, did I just say that? Yeah, I, I did, it's in, it's in my brain. Um, so, you know, th- for me, this is a lifelong process, or it has been so far, of unwrapping and uncovering the little uh, detrimental, hindering echoes I have in my brain. But uh, to me, it's it's such a crucial thing, because it's all illusions. It's all shadows and ghosts. None of it is real.
1: Yet for many of my listeners, and including myself, those fears can are feel real right they they yeah. feel so debilitating and they shut us down to the point where we often can't even articulate the fear as you said speak the fear out loud it's just such an overwhelming kind of thing that you can't even imagine mastering it because you can't voice it
0: and here's the thing, you know, we describe it in the book as a hamster running on a wheel. It is the hamster in the wheel of your brain. Uh, there's this popular trope that, you know, fear stands for F E A R is false expectations appearing real. And we I had fun lampooning that and bursting it because you know, there's such a thing as real fear. Actually what you know, what fear is is awareness of danger. That's what the word actually means. And there really are dangers in the world. The world is a dangerous place. Um, you know, people die. People get hurt, and it's real. So, uh, you know, it's not, I'm not advocating a uh, that you abandon yourself to a bliss of total complacency. Uh, I respect fear. I want fear to be my ally. I don't want to pretend it's not there. It's not about living in denial. What it's about, though, is all of this fuzz, this fog around repeating issues from the past, dreading imaginary issues of the future, worrying about what other people are saying about us or thinking about us. That's all the BS that clouds our minds and prevents us, holds us back from having in-the-moment awareness, in-the-moment crystal clarity. Now, we talk about some of you know the experiences that Brandon had in the field, in the field of war, where, you know, and I use those mainly because they're so vivid. You know, nothing demonstrates the dangers of life more, more vividly, maybe, than talking about life on the battlefield. Uh, there's some other examples in the book, though, that are pretty vivid, that aren't about war. You know, there's a guy that nearly drowns. There's a guy who crashes in an airplane. There are, you know, I tried to pull out some of the most vivid stories I could, because, you know what, those, those are real. There is danger in the world. Uh, but, but what we're talking about is Living in the reality of the moment, not in this pillowy, suffocating mass of imaginary stuff. And then with the dangers that exist, is embracing them, knowing that life is dangerous. Safety, as one chapter says, is an illusion. There is no such thing. None of us is getting out of this alive. So it's about living life to the fullest uh, with the greatest possible awareness and the greatest possible you know, joy and, 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 and fun.
1: Oh, that's a perfect way to go into our national news break. I am here, everyone, with John David Mann, New York Times bestselling author and latest book, Mastering Fear and Navy Seals Guide with Brandon Webb. We'll be right back to find out more about how we can all master our fears. Welcome back, everyone, listening to us live on iHeartRadio. For those listening on the podcast, you didn't have to listen to the national news or the commercials. We are here, I am here, with John David Mann, New York Times bestselling author of um, so many books, I can't even begin to count, and he has released a new book with his with brandon webb who was on last week mastering fear and navy seals guide and john we've been just having this amazing conversation in the first half of the show about fear and battling fear and um you shared some of your tips about speaking the fear out loud and living in the reality of the moment that safety is an illusion there's a another concept in the book that to me really feeds off of this initial conversation of mastering fear and and i I love how you guys it's not called overcoming fear it's called mastering it right yes this idea in the book of the comfort zone now everybody talks about get out of your comfort zone step outside the box you need to do this you don't say that in this book and it blew me away, and even just getting ready to talk to you about it has goosebumps running up and down my spine. You say that the comfort zone is your zone of confidence, competence, your zone of control. You don't step outside it, you stretch it. Can you elaborate on that? Because that's not a concept that my listeners are used to hearing. It's you need to yeah. just forget it, get outside it, ignore it, but that's not what you and Brandon are talking about.
0: Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that one up too because for me, this is kind of the heart of the book in a way. I mean, there's, there's a lot about Mastering Fear that's about the inspiration of it. the grand gesture, you know, like the Teddy Roosevelt dare greatly or... Yeah, Bobby Kennedy says. You know, uh, people say why. I ask why not, and all these great, Thanks. inspiring exhortations to just throw off the shackles and jump off the cliff. But you know, practically speaking, you take off the shackles, jump off the cliff, you fall down to the bottom, you break your neck, and you die. Right. <laughs> One of the things I love about about uh, working with Brandon's experience as raw material is is that SEALs, Navy SEALs, have have such extensive uh uh, work with with practice with rehearsal with preparation their word is training the training of it and for me this is kind of the the nitty-gritty of how to get from the point where you are right now to the point that you want to get to the dare greatly point we call it jumping off the the image that we use in the book is we call it a five-step process And at one point, we actually hired an artist to draw out this, like this pathway of five stepping stones, because it is a path. It isn't just, it it isn't like the Nike slogan, just do it. No, just do it doesn't really work, because you're not ready to do it. You don't know how to do it. You don't have the tools or the abilities, the skills to do it. There's a process here. So... Back to the comfort zone. The whole idea of, you know, get out of your comfort zone, eh, I mean, it has its application because there does come a point, you know, when the curtain goes up and it is time to sing. But that's at the end of the process. What's much more important is that if you step out of your comfort zone tomorrow, you're going to be uncomfortable. And if you're uncomfortable, you may do a lousy job. What we're talking about is use your comfort zone. Your comfort zone is 98.6 degrees. Your body doesn't perform by getting out of its comfort zone because if it does, you get a fever and you die, right? There's, there's a stasis for a reason in nature. Nature is full of comfort zones, like the thin layer of oxygen around our atmosphere is a comfort zone. We need to function within that comfort zone or we right. die. So this like that in your everyday life. You, you need to, to use the zone of confidence, the zone, and then stretch that. I learned that as a cellist. I learned how to practice, how to play difficult pieces, by practicing the passage slowly, but accurately. Paying great attention to exactly getting the notes right, but slowly, and then gradually increasing the speed. We, we walk you through that whole process in the book. Um, and the same thing applies not to just going slow and then faster and faster, but maybe doing something with one person and then more and more people or in doing something on a small scale, but then larger and larger. Your house is a mess. It's impossible. So what do you do? Just throw everything out? No, you start with one closet. Organize that. Give yourself the control over, I can handle this space. I can't even handle thinking about my whole house because I get get angst. (laughs) I don't drink. But but if I can think about just cleaning up this bookshelf, this one shelf, that's my comfort zone. I can handle working for an hour to clean. Beyond that, then I have to go to the beach. You know what I'm saying? That has application in everything difficult in your life. There is a comfort zone, a control zone, that you can use as a tool to practice, rehearse, train, and gradually stretch until you can do you know, pretty much
1: anything. I don't know if you've seen the viral video that's going around by Arnold Schwarzenegger. He not sure. He responded to a man who has been sitting on his couch completely depressed and ah. unable to get up or exercise. And Arnold Schwarzenegger has always been sort of somebody he's looked up to. So, he was sitting on his couch in depression, and he decided to reach out and ask a question of Arnold Schwarzenegger about how do I get back into the gym and and whatever, and, you know, never expecting Schwarzenegger to respond to him. And Schwarzenegger said, stop beating yourself up, basically. Depression, you know, is, is real. Just get up and walk around your house, basically. Don't worry about getting to the gym. Take a small step. It's still a step. You know, take a walk around your block. Don't worry about the gym and this big thing that you think you need to do. Take the first step. Well, this guy responded so amazingly to this that he actually went to the gym. And now he's been helping other people who are getting stuck around depression take like a baby step or whatever it need to be and and Schwarzenegger responded in a video to him back on that of course Ah. in a gym looking like Schwarzenegger looks at at his age and that really to me was such a piece of that comfort zone that you talked about in the book crawl, walk, run and the words that you and Brandon use pole, pole, pole What's the immediate small next step?
0: Keep moving. And here's the thing, too. Here's the key element for me in in this part of the process. It's when you carve out from a a huge undoable task, when you carve out a little piece that you can can manage, you can do, to walk around the block, to walk around your house, to clean the closet, write the blog post, maybe not the whole book, right? When you carve out this one piece, it's within your comfort zone, don't do it sloppy. Really pay attention to it. Do it really well. Like when you're, like, you know, sometimes I'll sit down and I'll get intimidated by the fact that I'm working on a book. And, and this will happen frequently. I'll go, oh my God, this, like, I don't even, I can't hold the whole book in my head. I can't hold the whole how do I, How do I even begin to write a book? Well, I can't write a book. Stephen King can't write a book. Nobody can write a book. What Stephen King can do is write a sentence and then another sentence, and then another sentence. So asanas, I will literally sit down and say, okay, let me just get a sentence going here. But, and to me, here's the secret, I'll really work on that sentence. Um, Sometimes I'll work a whole morning. I wrote a blog post about this last year, about the first sentence of the Go-Giver Influencer. I'll work a whole morning on a sentence. The beauty of it is that when you do something small like that, and you do it really well, that is, not to sound corny, that is the, seed, the seeds of greatness. Because taking that microcosm and stretching it and expanding it into a large scale, whether it's a whole book or going to the gym or running a marathon or whatever it is, it's not that hard. The hardest part is getting it right in the microcosm. Because that, that's the stretch. The stretch isn't going from small to big. The stretch is going from small mediocre to small excellent make it excellent on that small scale. Then you can expand it. As I played the cello, play the phrase slowly, but play it correctly. Get every note exactly in tune, precisely in rhythm. I don't care how slow it has to go. Once you get it excellent in the controllable scale, then you can take it and and expand it and, and take it to the moon.
1: That so fits with so many of my listeners who are trying to build businesses they're like oh i need to add like tons of staff i need to add all these products and all this other stuff and they haven't even gotten their basic business under control and handled it and they want to run the marathon already and they're still in a sprint trying to even figure out who their clients are but they're adding and adding because they feel that they have to be at the home stretch the moment they start yeah how do you respond to that
0: uh yeah i mean it, it to me it, it, it goes back to that thing of you know uh, newman's own that wonderful company paul newman's gone now but his, his family runs it this The company has uh, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of amazing products. And how it started was he had salad dressing that he made and his friends loved it. And they begged him for for, uh, bottles of it they could take home. He had this one salad dressing perfected to excellence. People loved it. He didn't even want to build a business. In fact, when he realized it was starting to grow, he got alarmed because he didn't want it to look like he was trying to parlay his fame and his name into a money-making venture. So he was mortified. And that's why he came up with this this scheme of, at the end of every fiscal year, giving away every single dollar of profit so that they start every year with a bank account of zero. But my point is, he grew it to this gigantic company, but it was it was purely because there was this little microcosm of excellence and i think any business really whether it's the product or the concept or the dialogue with the customer or the customer service experience whatever it is something has to start on a tiny scale of excellence and have the experience there
1: we're going to go into our last commercial break john we'll be right back with more from john david Mann, new york times bestselling author of mastering fear a navy seals guide we were just talking about Paul Newman and the start of Newman's Own. And, you know, by the way, I love that salad dressing. I still eat that salad dressing, even though they changed the formula. Oof, so upset that they changed the formula. John, this whole concept of the comfort zone as a a place where you start, where you create this um, moment of excellence where you get that you get that going so well then you stretch and and you go to the next moment in time that next letting go of your echo chamber in the book mastering fear a navy seals guide you guys really talk about fear as a sign point signpost pointing the way to a prize how do you know that moment when you've mastered your fear for that moment so that you can step in to that, that next moment or when the fear is something you really need to like, okay, I'm not even going to master this, you know, I just need to just not, you know.
0: <laughs> this is not
1: something that needs to be mastered.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. I'm not even sure if I know the answer, but there, you know, there are two... There are two pieces, as I said, we talk about a five step process, and you know really picture it as a like a path of stepping stones um so it's a progression but the 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 first and last steps to me are kind of uh crucial to your question. The first is called decision. The first step in mastering any kind of fear is is to make a decision and it's it's often a decision you make with incomplete information uh, it, uh Maybe it's the total absence of information. <laughs> like, you decide you're going to do something. And, you know, it, it, in a way, you could rephrase the question you asked is, what, where do you, how do you know the difference between bold and foolhardy? Um, and so that's a, you know, that's a judgment call, which you, you have to make, given whatever judgment and information you have in the moment. But there is this, there is this point where you're going to make a decision like, I'm going to have a radio show, or I'm going to write a book, or I, if you're, you know, drowning, we talk about this guy Leo Russell, a friend of Brandon's, who was in a, an experience where he he very nearly drowned and probably should have drowned or could have drowned, and he made a decision that he wasn't going to. Um, so whether it's life threatening situations or just you know career situations or just everyday life situations, you know. The, mass, the path of mastery starts with making a decision, and the decision is usually based on incom- incomplete information. Therefore, it's easier not to make the decision. It's easier and less threatening to let life make your decisions for you, to let your circumstances kind of dictate what you're going to do. Yeah, you, know, you go to this, you do the same business your parents did. You go to the school that your brother went to, or whatever it is. You, you do this because you did it yesterday. You wear this because you wore it last week. That's life living you, not you living life. So we talk about in the book, first off, becoming a person who makes decisions. And then the, the final step of the process, in a way, comes before everything, which is to know what matters. It's to be, get get crystal clarity on what genuinely matters in your life. Because that's the thing or the things that makes mastering fear worth it. If if there's nothing in your life that really matters, then it's easier to just avoid everything you're afraid of and just kind of coast. You know, the way that you excel and live life to the fullest and grasp it and make fear your companion, your partner, your ally, Uh, is to start out knowing what's really important to you. Why are you here? What are you after? That's why we put that chapter last, even though in a way it comes before everything.
1: And you pose some really good questions in that chapter to help people figure out what matters. Brandon shared his mantra, what matters to him. What matters to you? What gets you moving?
0: Love and excellence. It's pretty vague, I guess, but that's what it is. <laughs> I mean. Love I of your to,
1: wonderful, glorious to, wife and your friends? I, or
0: Yeah, I used to say, answer that question by, with the word excellence. You know, what matters to me is excellence. But what I've discovered is that uh, what matters to me more than excellence is is, is uh, the experience of being in love. And it's not just in love with my wife, which is a big part of my life. I'm in love with oxygen, you know. Uh, a, a month ago, I had a, a health scare. Uh, our doctor looked at some spots on my legs and said he, he said he wondered if they were melanoma. it's come them off, and they biopsied them. And for about 10 days, uh, the sort of Damocles hung over my head. We weren't sure if this was going to you know, uh, what was going to be the, the result. And it was a fascinating 10 days, because I reviewed what's, what matters to me. Uh, at the end of 10 days, they came back and said, totally normal, you're fine. You're going to have to be 100. And I said, yeah, I thought so. But um, still, it was it was interesting to really take a hard look at what's, what love, and what I realized is, I just, the love of everyday life is, is what drives me more than, more than anything. And then within that, my personal mission is to carve out excellence in everything that I do.
1: Which, from... My perspective, you've done in everything that I've ever seen you do. So you're you're living
0: it. <laughs> Well, I'm happy to hear that, and I'll tell myself that tomorrow morning when the beast rises up. (laughs) (laughs)
1: When when you have to go into that echo chamber and go and voice that fear and be vulnerable to it, and and then move past it.
0: Yes. Shush the voices.
1: Shush, shush the voices. (laughs) And... The, your current book Mastering Fear A Navy Seals Guide by two amazing New York Times bestselling authors Brandon Webb and you John David Mann people can get that anywhere books are sold at this point?
0: Anywhere books are sold yes
1: What would you like to say to somebody who's thinking about the, buying the book or is in a paralyzed place my listeners and some of them get in that what, w- what would you say to them as one next step that they could take to help themselves
0: First, I would say that Brandon is an accomplished SEAL businessman, blah, 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 and I've got all these books. Both of us have been in places of desperation and desolation, an abject and total failure. Uh, We talk about that, you know, some of the low points, very low points of Brandon's life in the book. So first thing I want to say is we didn't come from this book from the point of view of, hey, we got all the answers. Uh, because we're just great people. No, we're, we're seekers on the path. But as a first step, I don't know, I just you know, I just think this book is so practical. We've worked so hard to make it something you can actually use. Not just get inspired by, but actually thumb through and follow step by step by step. Every chapter has, at, at the end of it, sort of a concluding guide for how to practice what we just said in this chapter. I, all I can say is, buy the book go through it slowly or go through it rapidly and then go back, you know, highlight it, earmark it, whatever you need to do, but use this book to elevate your life to the, to what it, what it can be, what you know it can be.
1: And how can people reach out to you and find out more about you, John?
0: www.johndavidman.com
1: and i love every blog he writes so everybody should subscribe to his site so you get all these wonderful emails from him <laughs> 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 which i haven't gotten one in a little bit but i know it's because you've been working on like five books so
0: thanks for reminding me i've really got to get back to that blog yeah yeah, yeah
1: you got to get another blog post out there thank you so much for being a guest on my show again today and enlightening my audience um it's
0: so much my pleasure i look forward to doing it again soon
1: absolutely i know there's another book coming and i can't yeah, wait a- <laughs> everyone i love the book mastering fear in navy seals guide grab your copy today and let me know what fear you're mastering or if you need some help uh, let's get you some help to master those fears remember the right questions can change your life so what are you asking today have a great day everyone hug someone you love
0: you've been listening to it's all about the questions starring laura stewart connect with laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today